0: Welcome back to FreightWaves Live at Home. We have our next fireside chat here. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm the executive publisher here at FreightWaves, and I have a very special guest with us right now. It's Andrew Berberick. He's the co-founder of Baton out in San Francisco, California. And we're going to talk about capacity. We're going to talk about final mile. We're going to talk about dwell times here with Andrew. Thanks for joining us, Andrew.
1: Yeah, great to be with you, Kevin.
0: Yeah, can you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and, and Baton, and what you and Nate Robert are doing out, uh, out, out on the West Coast right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm Andrew. Um, I'm a co-founder of Baton, and really the the service we provide is that the customers who use Baton will one day never have to send drivers long haul drivers to warehouses again. And you know the way the way that we do that is we operate a network of of drop zones that we place around major cities. And the goal is instead of a long haul driver coming in and waiting around for an appointment or getting stuck in traffic or waiting in a warehouse, they can just stage a load at one of our sites outside of the city. And then we operate a network of local drivers to relay the final and first mile. So those long haul drivers are always on the road.
0: So, uh, Andrew, I, we've been talking about this for uh I don't know, a couple of years, even before Baton was started here yeah. in Chattanooga, down at the, in the bar. Uh, in the Freight Waves bar. That was the place to I, be. In the, it, it, is, <laughs> it was the place to be, and it's almost about to, we're be, almost to be. We're almost back. We're almost back. Almost yeah. back. Almost back. But we we're talking about this, you know, we we're talking about long haul over the road drivers and some of the uh, the, the downsides of that. And, and most of that is going into metro areas, going into L.A., uh, trying to find your way around you know irregular routes right going to places that you hadn't been before and baton is is part of that kind of that, that final mile going to that that warehouse picking up bringing back to central location that that increases efficiency so uh, it, it, why now why why is there hasn't been a company like this before. Why is now the perfect time to, uh, to, to fit that niche and launch Baton?
1: Well, it's interesting because the, the concept that we provide, right, these local relays isn't, isn't necessarily new to the industry.
0: Um, most large carriers
1: either do or used to do local relays. And the reason I think they've stopped is, you know, I think there's a, there's a perception in the industry that local relays are, uh, are just costly, really hard to manage, um, operationally complex. And most people that have set them up have have divested from them because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to both utilize a long haul fleet and keep a local fleet utilized. Um, You know, I think where we've we've found our niche is is basically enabling those same advantages without having to deal with the cost or utilization problems of a local fleet. And, you know, right now. You know, it's, it's really interesting if, if people talk about this, this capacity problem and it, it's totally real. Um, when we, before we started Baton, we, we interviewed about a hundred different drivers, uh, by going to truck stop to truck stop across California. And we asked them all, what's the biggest problem facing your job? And they said detention and dwell, you know, getting stuck at a warehouse totally sucks. They're not getting, they're not getting money. Um, they're wasting time. It's horrible for their, their employers. And when you take the number one problem that drivers cited before COVID, and you map that against this massive capacity shortage that exists during COVID, this is a pretty incredible time to, to roll out a solution like this because, because you can both increase efficiency and you can offer a, a recruiting tool to, to get drivers.
0: So yeah, dwell times have always been an issue in, in the trucking industry. Explain to our audience and kind of what you found out uh, about dwell times pre-COVID During COVID and and kind of here on the tail end, what are the the differences you've seen in dwell times and detention paid out? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, basically, when when we talk about dwell and detention, we look at three different buckets. Um, We look at, you know, the most obvious one, which is detention and dwell at the facility. Uh, Industry average for that is about three hours. But then there's all these other sources of wasted time that are even larger than that. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, if you imagine you're driving from LA to Dallas and you have to hit an appointment window, and if you're late, you're going to get fined, well, the driver is going to bake a lot of dwell into their transit so they don't arrive late. Um, That's called in-transit dwell. And then, you know, you complete your delivery at Target and there's no way someone has like stacked the delivery at, at Walmart or the pickup at Walmart such that you're super efficient. So there's another source of waste there. And you know what we found is before we started baton, it was really about eliminating bullet facility. But as we've we've really grown this out, what we found is there's there are these emergent macro efficiency gains by just converting every single load to this off-prem drop and hook model. Um, you know, imagine how different your your network planning would be if you if you could you know plan hub to hub instead of um, you know warehouse to warehouse with all these appointments.
0: And that kind of goes into to what you said earlier about, you know, specific trucking companies have done this before. It's been very costly to do because you're matching uh, your own freight up. So while you might have 200 trucks, 300 trucks or, or 50 trucks, it's really hard to do that with that. But if you go to a third, say a third party service provider like Baton who can scale and do the macro and scale that up. Uh, between many different trucking companies, then you can raise the, the you can lower those costs and, and it, it works out on, on, on paper, right?
1: Yeah, totally. So, I mean, every one of our of our customers actually has a local relay operation somewhere. Um, now, the, the problem is in order to operate a local relay, you need enough volume and density to keep a local fleet utilized. But because we're an aggregator, we can combine the freight between multiple carriers to give them each the, that, you know, economies of scale advantage that neither of them could have gotten on their own. And so we can open new locations that none of them would be able to open without us um, or without each other.
0: I like that word, the, the aggregate. And that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're aggregating all of those lows down into a single provider to. To, to hit the the last mile, to hit those warehouse docks, in there, and th- that's where the efficiencies come in. And I think uh, I, th- I think to a lot of people, it just makes sense right now.
1: Yeah, and actually, and you know, one one cool example that I like to think about when I you know here's like a case study of like where this really has worked well before we existed. Um, if you look at the average long haul carrier, and you look at the amount of driver hours, productive driving hours that a, that a, a carrier would get out of their drivers. The average is about 6.5 out of 11 um, usable hours that the driver gets. And that's the average across the country. Some of the larger carriers that have done a great job, they'll get seven. Walmart gets over nine. Now, why is that? Why is it that Walmart's private fleet can get over nine usable driver productive productive hours, but a long-haul carrier whose bread and butter is moving drivers, um, they only get seven? Well, it's because Walmart plans DC to DC and... And those DCs are twenty four seven hubs. Everything's drop drop, and they're way more efficient because of that. So our goal is to give you know those kinds of benefits to you know not Walmart, not necessarily Walmart, but to carriers that provide to Walmart, um, so that they they can get Walmart type numbers out of their drivers.
0: Yeah, and that's like a fifty percent increase, or almost a fifty percent increase in productivity, and that's what we see in Sonar, and we've always seen it with our uh, detention. Or, or or hours of service. I'm sorry. Or hours of service uh, data is that that six hours, six and a half hours of of drive time, and you're looking yep. at eleven hours, uh, being the, the max on hours of service, and you're you're getting just a little bit more than half. And a lot of that is, you know, traffic congestion, um, and. And congestion within the city limits right if you yep. talk about huge metro areas uh la dallas atlanta if you show up at five o'clock i mean you're adding two or three hours of probably sitting in a parking lot which are the interstates going to that that final pickup or delivery uh area and uh, coming out you know you're you're wasting some time too so to get that productive uh, that those one more hours as you say is to, to really truly have end-to-end, you know, bumper-to-bumper, you know, dock-to-dock, very efficient systems. Yep,
1: 100%. Let's
0: get back over to... Uh, the, the capacity shortage, right? Because that's what everyone wants to talk about right now is that that capacity shortage. We have OTRI, you know, nationwide is, is 24, 25%. You get into the reefer market, that's 42% on a nationwide basis. Flatbeds uh, caught up with, with everybody now. It's humming right along. You have specific markets that are, you know, well north of 30 or 40%. I mean, 30 or 40% of all tender. Uh, tenders, uh, low tenders out there are being rejected right now. It's just really a tight market. Uh, what are, from your point of view, what are some of the reasons for this? And uh, do you see new capacity coming along in, in 2021 or, or anytime soon?
1: Yeah, well, so there's, the capacity shortage is really interesting. And I think, I think there's a lot of variables at play. Um, the three that come to mind are, you know, number one, there's fewer drivers on the market right now. Um, you know, during COVID, fewer CDLs were issued, you know, people weren't necessarily going into a training center and getting trained to become a truck driver. Um, and you also you know, overlay that with people are getting stimulus checks and maybe it's more desirable and you can make more money getting a stimulus check than going and jumping on the road and driving and not seeing your family for, for weeks on end. Um, so the combination of those two variables has really led to the industry's short about 200,000 drivers, um, which has dramatically exacerbated what it looked like. Before COVID, so that's yeah. That's variable number throw, one, go for it. Yeah.
0: Oh no, I'll throw in a third. You right? You have the spending mix right from yeah. travel, leisure, entertainment, live events, restaurants to home, uh, new homes, existing homes. Uh, uh, home offices, you know, all these tangible goods, and that's still going strong, right? So, so that's a number three. Number three on there is demand is up. Load volumes. So demand, are up. yep. Demand
1: is totally up. And what's really interesting? Yeah, you're right. So people that had saved money for a year now have this money to spend, um, and they they want to buy new things. And you know, there's a there's another variable that also interplays into that. In, in that the volatile demand capacity cycles. Have made it really hard for suppliers to predict the level of inventory they need, and so there's a huge inventory shortage across the industry where you know these major retailers don't have enough inventory on their shelves, and some retailers are, are so inventory constrained that they're literally skipping the DC and going straight to stores, um, and we're, we're seeing a little bit of that too. So um, really, you're, you're combining the driver shortage, this demand increase, and a inventory shortage. I mean you're painting this picture of a really crazy freight market that's it's pretty unprecedented, I think. Um so, I, I, yeah. I think
0: it is unprecedented too, right? I think it's it's going to to, to go along. you see social distancing rules kind of uh, Go go away in a lot of regions. I, I think over the coming months they will. Uh, training schools should get back up to to full capacity. I know a few have closed down, so that's that might ease that constraint. And spending on more on travel, more on intangible goods, might lower the demand. And th- that's that's kind of what I see going forward. I don't know if it's going to hit 2021. Maybe it's 2022. But I think those conditions will all ease. But but right now, we talk about the driver's, driver shortage and training schools. We also have a lot of new construction. We have uh, a lot of manufacturing. You know, there's a general labor shortage, uh, you know, uh, across the entire economy, uh, which uh, trucking is always competing against. I, from your point of view, um, doing more local deliveries and, you know, warehouse to hub, is it challenging to find drivers or find vendors with drivers uh, as opposed to the the over the road uh, positions that might be out 3 4 weeks at a time
1: yeah i think i think in general the the local driving markets don't you know local tr- truck driver uh, market is not um it's not as constrained uh it's you know you, these folks get home every night they get paid by the hour um so, I mean, in that, even like driver turnover within local fleets is just way, way lower than OTR. So it's, it's really OTR that's experiencing the burden of this. And that's where you, I mean, you can see this reflected in wages, right? Old Dominion, I think, is offering, you know, six-figure salaries for truck drivers. Um, and carriers are trying to find ways to get these drivers home on time uh, more predictably. And, you know, ultimately, uh, it's 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 crazy for, for a carrier right now to hire drivers. And but you know the reality is there's two ways to increase capacity um, you can either hire more drivers or you can improve you know increase efficiency you can get more out of the drivers that you currently have and what we've learned is there's there's a huge huge opportunity for efficiency gains if people are looking for it um, and the carriers who are with us um, have have been able to leverage baton as a strategic way to increase the the productivity of their existing fleet
0: and it goes back to that six and a half hours versus nine hours right of, of drive time on our service. Certainly we've been talking about the hub system, you know, we've been talking about the, the warehouse the, the real end of the, the, the final or first mile uh, describe a little bit about the hub system that, that baton envisions.
1: Yeah. So basically our goal is, you know, like I said, every single carrier might open, operate one terminal um, in one area. So our goal is to open dozens of terminals in a given area. So, you know, your, our our goal is to really be within five to ten miles of every single um, destination or origin warehouse that your your long haul carriers would normally deliver or pick up from, and so right now in LA we we have three ops three operations. There's one in uh, Fontana, one in Ontario, one in Santa Fe Springs. We're also opening uh, Reno Valley, San Bernardino, and Santa Clarita later this summer, and then we'll do the same thing in in other major metros. So we're going to do that in, in Atlanta later this year, Chicago uh, pretty soon after, and and really it's can we can we place one of these at every single you know, off highway congestion bottleneck such that so that a, a long haul carrier really is just in and out? Right. One of the things that we say is like they need to they need to be able to drop and hook within 15 minutes and then get out of the city um, and then we can handle the rest.
0: And that goes along with supply chain disruptions. Really? I mean, you've had these these inventory levels that, that you're talking about earlier, uh, being able to react faster, right? Be more productive, more efficient, be able to, to react faster get the, the product and the goods to the, the DC or the warehouse or the store where it needs to be in a, in a, a very quick amount of time or a short amount of time uh, is, is, is a high premium or, or very valued right now. Right?
1: Yeah, totally. I think, you know, there's, you, you look at inventory and this is I'm stepping out of my, uh, my area of like expertise, but my intuitively, if you're trying to plan inventory um, and you're like a Walmart there are two types of problems that might exist, right? One is a lead time problem, meaning things take longer than you expect them. But that's that's easy to adjust for. You just you just predict earlier what you're going to need, and so you can adjust for lead time problems. The biggest problem in in inventory planning is is volatile volatile lead times, right? So something shows up at this time, this day, and then you know next week it shows up three days later. Um, and really, if you can create these 24 seven hubs across the entire country you can really stabilize volatile lead times and, and, and add a level of predictability to when inventory is going to arrive
0: um, for, for shippers. So we've been talking about physical assets, trucks, deliveries, bumping the docks, and also the, the the hubs, but you need technology to do all of this, right? And you guys are developing a, a lot of great technology uh, there at Baton. Can you describe that a little bit?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think the, the, the biggest you know, reason why we fundamentally believe that this is a technology problem. Um, and when you think about it, if you were trying to operate one one relay, um, you were actually, and, and you, you have a long haul fleet and you're trying to relay off all those long haul loads to local local drivers, you've taken the complexity of one long haul load and you've effectively doubled it, right? So you, you now have to make sure that that local driver has all the information that the long haul driver did, gets to the appointment on time and is able to come back and stage a load um, at, at the appropriate time for that for that return load. Well, our goal is to do that in dozens of locations all over ma- major cities and multiple cities for every long haul carrier. So the, the information complexity that's needed to manage this efficiently and not lose loads um, and in fact increase the service performance of loads over what an OTR would get is, is remarkably high. Um, so the first you know, technolo- technological component of Baton is managing all that information. So we have a proprietary you know, relay-based um, TMS that we've built. Uh, on top of that, we have this this optimization engine that really underlies where where all of our you know that's it's kind of where our secret sauce is, right? So we've we've built that off of uh some expertise of one of our our lead engineers a Na- you know former NASA Apple um, Stanford PhD dropout and he's really built this optimization engine that allows us to make sure that every single delivery um, every single pickup happens on time and we maximize efficiency of our fleet and then thirdly um, it's really about making sure all of the information gets to the right place so we have integrations into all the ELD devices within all of the local trucks that we operate and those need to get piped back to our customers within the right you know right time period so they can send those visibility updates to their customers
0: that is complex i mean it's all about communication so about integrations and being able to communicate all these different steps in the process back to one central hub. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, uh, you know, we're, we're about halfway through 2021, uh, about to, to hit the second half into 2022. What are the the grand plans for, for baton going forward over the next say six to 18 months? I mean, what, what, um, what do you have your eyes set on right now?
1: So, You know, batons, when, when we first rolled out baton, we, we, our goal is to democratize this last mile relay model for every single, every single carrier, um, in the U.S. And what we've, what we've started with is we've gone after the larger and medium sized folks. So we're now with, you know, live with four of the top 10 largest asset based carriers. Um, we also have a handful of medium sized fleets like Chima and Andrus and Bison. Um, and really the, the goal is once we've, once we've, Built a footprint with these medium, large, you know, sized carriers. We can start democratizing it in other areas for smaller fleets. So you know, now we have over about sixty loads per day in Los Angeles, and that's enough density to now operate, you know, offer this 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 service to someone that might have like a two hundred truck fleet instead of two thousand. Um, so that's kind of phase one. It's really about growing density with large and um, medium sized fleets in LA, democratizing it for smaller fleets. We'll also open up Atlanta later this year. And then, you know, once we uh, will, the goal by you know, 2023 is to be in uh, about five of these major metros. Um, and then after that, once we've we've kind of laid out this, this foundation, we're, we're starting to pilot with AV companies where we can really create this autonomous highway only um, relay to a we can create these these hubs, these transfer hubs, where an autonomous highway only fleet can hand off a load to one of our local drivers. So we already have a pilot going with one of the larger AV um, trucking companies, and we'll start offering that um, across the U.S. as we as we scale this out with our existing customers.
0: And, and that is part of the future, right? Once you get the AV uh, AV trucks into the hub. Then it's it's manual driving uh, to to that warehouse to 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 doing the duties of the driver, and that's where, that's where it really um really really all comes together. Yeah, well, I think when you look at the
1: industry, this you know trucking more than I think any other industry. There's there's a lot of pressure, like but the industry needs autonomous highway vehicles because there's a OTR driver shortage. Um, there's going to be more demand for long haul trucking, uh, you know, in general. I think we're going to, the industry needs about a million more drivers in the next five years um, to, to deal with the, the increased, you know, increased demand requirements for like one to two day delivery. Um, that, that's a lot of pressure on, on on the industry to adopt more OTR drivers. And I don't think millennials are going to take the job. So unless unless some major things change. And so that there's a lot of pressure for autonomous highway vehicles to come into play, um, unlike any other kind of opportunity for avs rather other industry for avs
0: it would be really interesting to see uh, the the new crop of drivers in that next generation generation after that and uh if there's if that'll even be a, a thing of the road driving uh, again so the, the jury is certainly out on that uh um, yeah but Looking forward to seeing where where Baton goes from here and looking forward to seeing you back in person in Chattanooga November yes. 8th through the 10th for F3, the Future of Freight Festival. And, uh, and we'll definitely have to uh, to grab a drink downstairs in the Freight Waves bar. Definitely. Can't wait. Perfect. Thank you again. And stay tuned for the next Fireside Chat here at Freight Waves Live at home.